This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Jackie Torres. And I'm Mataj Jabir. Tonight, we open up the year with critical issues at hand. Nearly 800,000 young people are fighting the threat of deportation. And women continue to lead the resistance in this country. Tonight, we'll speak with New Mexico Dream Team and United We Dream organizers, Yanet Antillon and Felipe Rodriguez, who shared the latest on the Clean Dream Act. Samia Assad, local organizer, also joins us to talk about the Albuquerque Women's March and why it is critical to the resistance of all oppression. And Jason Fuller, DJ member and journalism fellow, will share his experience as a journalist of color going from GJ to NPR. We'll start with the song that carries a message of strength and resilience for the new year. Here's Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley. United We Dream is a national organization that fights for the rights of all undocumented immigrants. DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, was implemented during the Obama administration. Here with GJ intern Kenya Alonzo are Yanet Antillon and Felipe Rodriguez of New Mexico Dream Team and United We Dream. This is Kenya Alonzo with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Yanet Antillon and Felipe Rodriguez of New Mexico Dream Team and United We Dream. Kenneth, Felipe, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. Will you please introduce yourselves? My name is Janet Antillon. Um, I was born in Cuauhtémoc, Chihuahua, and I've been in the United States for approximately 15 years alongside with my family. I'm an organizer in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I've been part of the New Mexico Dream Team around a year and a half. My name is Felipe. I'm undocumented and unafraid. Uh, me and my family are from Acapulco, Mexico, and we came to the United States around six years ago running from violence in Mexico. Um, when we came, we knew our tourist visa will soon expire and we will going to become undocumented. Um, we knew all the adversities that that meant, um, but for us it was either that or going back to the violent situation we were in Mexico. Um, so we decided to come. I joined the New Mexico Dream Team um, around two years ago, and now I work as an organizer um, there, and I'm also a student at the University of New Mexico. Thank you. Now, you both recently went to D.C. and joined other immigrant youth and allies to fight for the Clean Dream Act. What is the Clean Dream Act? Yeah. After Trump resigned at DACA back in September, um, there's been a huge pressure in Congress to pass a legislation that will protect everyone that benefited from DACA. Um, there has been a lot of um, bills proposed, but the Dream Act is overall the best bill um, that will benefit around 2 million people in this country um, that are now undocumented. Um, we are asking for a clean dream act because the same pressure that um, Congress has to pass a legislation soon um, has given the opportunity to far-right um, Republicans to include anti-immigrant policies in those legislations, like building a wall, um, increasing militarization of the, of the border, building detention centers, and build up the deportation, the machine that Trump wants. 
So we want a Dream Act that only includes um, the benefits that will protect uh, DACA beneficiaries um, and does not include any of um, those anti-immigrant um, things that they want. Okay, thank you, Felipe. Now, why did immigrant youth from all over the country gather in D.C. last month? So, so far, over 14,000 young immigrants have already lost their DACA, um, meaning that they are now at risk of being deported. Once March comes around, over 200 young, young immigrants will lose their DACA every day. This will not only take away their sense of security in the country, but also take away their livelihood and way of financially providing for themselves and for their families. Um, our call and urgency for a DREAM Act has not changed. Uh, we need a DREAM Act now because every day Congress delays, more lives are being put at risk of deportation. Thank you, Yana. Now, can you tell us about your experience fighting for a Clean Dream Act? The fight has been ongoing for a while and you guys have been involved. So what has it been like for you? It was a very empowering experience. It was amazing to see so many people there fighting for the same reason I was there, um, hearing so many stories, um, sharing so, just so many emotions. It was, it was pretty amazing. I also felt really empowered um, to be there in D.C. because it's crazy to think that a few years back um, our community was under the shadows and we'll never speak out about these issues. But now we're in the capital in D.C. Um, we're data dying in their hallways. We took over and protested in their offices and we were able to say we're undocumented and afraid and demand the things that we want. Thank you both. Now, this is like such an immediate action, and that's because of the current state of the Clean Dream Act. So what is the urgency for the Clean Dream Act? So right now we're in a political situation where Republicans have control of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, our, our best chance to pass um, the Dream Act is to include it in the budget bill of the nation. Um, when we went to D.C., we took over um, 200 people to ask all of the Democratic leadership to commit to not vote on any budget bill that doesn't include the DREAM Act. Um, we were able to meet with our senators here in New Mexico with Tommy Udall and um, Henrik, um, and we asked them that too, to commit to not vote on any um, budget bill that um, does not include a DREAM Act. Unfortunately, they didn't commit, um, and they turned their backs off on all the immigrant youth in New Mexico, um, and they voted yes on that budget bill. Um, our next chance to pass the Dream Act is on January 19, um, when um, the budget bill is going to be revi revised. Um, it's really urgent. Um, when we went there, um, meeting with Henrik and Udall, um, they told us, and this is something that um, all the Democratic leadership thinks as well, that this is an issue that they want to get around in March. Um, but they need to know that the situation is incredibly urgent. Um, like Janet said, there's a lot of people losing their protections each day and being uh, put at risk of deportation. Um, there's also, this is a negotiation right now uh, because Republicans want um, to include um, you know, the wall and increasing deportations in that bill. So if we pass it now, um, 
we're going to be able to get the Clean Air Act. If we wait until March, Republicans are going to have more leverage in the negotiation, and they're going to be able to get away with those things that are going to hurt our community in the end. Thank you, Felipe. Okay. Um, you guys are both activists locally and nationally with NM Dream Team and United We Dream. So regarding those organizations, what can we do to, to support them right now? How can we help? Yeah, It is really important that um, we let not um, our senators, Henrik and Udall, that it's not okay that they voted yes on the budget bill without the DREAM Act, that this is an issue that has to be fixed now. The reason that we're in this urgent situation is because Congress has been failing to pass um, a DREAM Act for like 15 years now. Um, I think the first one was proposed in like 2003 or four. Um, and right now we're on, they're a very anti-immigrant administration. Um, this bill has to be passed now or as soon as possible. Um, cannot wait until March. Um, this is what our community needs and demands. Um, and it's very important to make um, to make it clear for them. Um, that means call their offices, um, talk to them if you see them in the street, tell them we need a dream act now. <laughs> um, if you know people um, or you have family members in other states, there's also other representatives that we need to put on our side and that we need them to commit to the dream act. Um, so look up where is their stance on the dream act. Um, and if they're on our side, um, reminding them that it has to be passed now. If they're not, tell them that Atrimac is what we want. You can also contribute contribute and follow us on Facebook um, to our page or website, nmdreamteam.org. Okay, and you mentioned that while you were up in D.C., you met our senators. So what did U.S. Senator Udall and Heinrich say about not supporting this? They said that um, you know that this is an issue that can wait until March. Um, that is not true. It has to be solved right now. They were also saying that um, they couldn't commit because they didn't want a government shutdown. Um, we made it very clear to them that we're not seeking a government shutdown. That we're here to make sure that the Dream Act has passed. The reason why we are in a, the urgent situation of of passing the DREAM Act through the budget is because Congress has failed um, to pass the DREAM Act um, for the last 15 years. And if there is a government shutdown, we're in a house or in a house controlled by Republicans and we're in a Senate controlled by Republicans. It'll be the fault of the Republicans if there's a government shutdown because of the spending bill. Okay, and then, you know, speaking locally, you guys are doing work locally, so do you know exactly how many New Mexicans are going to be affected? There's around 8,000 um, New Mexicans that benefited from DACA, that their benefits were, will end once DACA is resigned. Wow, thank you, Felipe, for answering. Um, no, I think this can be your time to really share whatever you want to share. So is there anything else that either of you would like to add? Um, New Mexico's congressional leadership need to continue pushing for a DREAM Act and not give in to any more of Trump's demands for any unnecessary and wasteful border wall. I will say that Democrats need to step it up. Um, 
we have, as organizers, we have done our jobs, we have organized, we have um, gotten our community together. We did a 200 people mobilization to DC. This is the time for them to take action um, to pass the Trimac once for all. I just want to thank you both for taking your time to be here. And Yanis, Felipe, all the work that you're doing means so much and it's going to change and help in the future so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for thank you. having us. This was Kenya Alonso with Generation Justice. Thank you, Yaneth Antillon and Felipe Rodriguez for taking the time to be here with us. The weight of your work is incredible. So many people depend on the activism that you guys are doing for our community. And I really admire your bravery um, to, you know, come out of the shadows. Um, even though you are undocumented and you do risk, you know, the risks that, that you know, of being deported, I think that I mean, it's very important and it's admirable, and I, I commend you too and your incredible accomplishments. Thank you again, Janeth and Felipe. Eyes El Yellow is a song that speaks about immigrant experience in the U.S. Here is La Santa Cecilia with Eyes El Yellow. Eva pasando el trapo sobre la mesa y está cuidando que todo brille como una perla. Cuando llegue la patrona que no se vuelva a quejar, no sea cosa que la acuse. Samia Assad is a social justice activist. She serves on the board of the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice and a Southwest organizing project. And she is a loving mother of nine kids, including me. She is here now to speak with my co-host, Jackie Torres, about the upcoming Women's March. Thank you, Mutas. Samia, welcome to Generation Justice. Is there anything you would like to add about yourself? Hello, thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm just really honored to be in the studio with, uh, uh, actually, I'm having my son introduce me alongside uh, some phenomenal or, uh, um, organizers here. Generation Justice is family to me. Um, Motez is one of my, uh, I think one of my, the fifth and the youngest of my kids to join uh, Generation Justice. Um, I'm a human rights activist. I'm also the uh, lead organizer for the Women's March New Mexico. Uh, and I'm also a state coordinator for the uh, Poor People's Campaign, a, a national call for moral revival. Okay. Do you think you can uh, tell us more about the history of the Women's March? The Women's March happened last January 21st, uh, 2017. It came out of a need uh, uh, for uh, women to come together to resist uh, patriarchy, misogyny, Sexual harassment, I mean, the, 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 the tone in the country was set by um, President Trump at that time, candidate Trump, who uh, pretty much said some derogatory ter uh, terms towards women, and it was allowed, and it was dismissed, and women had just had enough, said enough is enough, and we came together, five million strong, nationally and, and uh, across uh, different countries uh, uh, globally. So the the women's the, the march came together to say no to racism, no to hatred, no to xenophobia, no to Islamophobia, no to racism, no to attacks on the LGBTQ community, 
and uh, it was it, it, and it, it encompassed so many different movements and so many different women from different sects and despite different socioeconomic backgrounds it really came to be a very empowering moment a historical moment for me on a personal note like many many millions uh, across the country and do you think you can tell us about the march that's being planned that you have organized on Sunday the 21st yes uh, the uh, the la- the national launching of the women's march will be January 21st in Las Vegas Nevada and it is called power to the polls we marched back in 2017. Now we're trying to empower women to um, to uh, pass legislation and to run for office that will have an impact and transform the energy that was on the streets into, into some real change, effective change for women in the nation. Here in Albuquerque, we will have a march January 21st on Civic Plaza from 11 to 3 p.m. We will march, resist, and empower women we hope to come together and 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 for our politicians and people in power to hear our voice as we demand that we respect dignity and an end to change racism and 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 uh, a way to empower women in every aspect of our lives structurally uh, there's so many different changes that need to be addressed on the ground we're going to be heard that day we hope to be uh, uh, a big, as big a, a march as it was last year, and I hope many women come out and, and let their voices be heard. People want to volunteer. You're more than welcome to come and reach us at our Facebook page at uh, Women's March New Mexico. Uh, there are many um, c- connections on that uh, Facebook page. Or you can reach out to me personally at, via my email at asadsamia, that's A-S-S-E-D, S-A-M-I-A at gmail.com. Wow, it sounds like you guys have a lot of opportunity for people to get involved. Is there any other information you would like to add? I would just like the community to come together and to, and to stand tall, uh, to stand for women. This is a year of the Me Too. We have saw the country uh, unfold with so many men going down. We stood against sexual harassment, sexual violence. We need to now put it, translate that into law. We need to empower women to, to, to rule and make the changes on the ground for us. Um, it sounds like you guys have a lot of really good work going on, and it's really um, empowering to see that minorities like me can, you know, get involved in the community, especially in Albuquerque. Um, you know, I sometimes I didn't even know this was going on, and it's it's really nice to hear that you guys are, are doing things for the community and are um, taking a stand after, especially because of the, the political, um, you know, political, like, tension that's been going on. There's a lot of tension going on, and we want young women of color especially to be involved and voice their opinion. This year there's been an attack, relentless attack, on the undocumented, as we just heard. There's attacks on the Muslim community. There are attacks on women. The tax bill that just passed will affect women uh, so so harshly in the coming year. Poverty will affect women. 77% of households in New Mexico are run by single women. These are real-life conditions that we have to address, and we have to come together strong, united, to say no to racism and yes to empowerment. Thank you so much, Samia, for joining us. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, it, there's definitely a lot of 
room for improvement, uh, especially within the, the political atmosphere. And um, there's also, um, you know, just a lot of the empowerment, you know, especially through the Me Too movement. And, you know, people are just saying no to misogyny. I think that's really awesome. And I think it's a great endeavor. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This next song is about strength and power within women. Here is Superwoman by Alicia Keys. Nothing seems complete. I stand up and I'm searching for the better part of me. Welcome back to Generation Justice. Jason Fuller is a first year Generation Justice Fellow and a Detroit native. He has earned a Master's of Science from Virginia Commonwealth University's Robertson School of Media and Culture. Jason Jason Fuller joins Generation Justice Director Roberta Rael to talk about his journey. This is Roberta Rael with Generation Justice, and I am so happy today to be able to be sitting with Jason Fuller, who was one of Generation Justice's first journalism fellows, and now has just accepted a new job as the assistant producer of fundraising for programming for NPR. Welcome back, Jason. It is so great to be back. Um, Great to be sitting back in this studio. A little odd to be sitting on this end of the microphone, though. So I wanted to bring you into the studio because I wanted to have this opportunity to share with our community just your journey and what has happened since you left New Mexico to go to graduate school, a journalism program in graduate school. Um, that was three years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so getting there was uh, quite the interesting uh, culture shock initially. Getting to VCU, which is really in the heart of Richmond, it tends to actually absorb much of the community around campus. And so um, one of the first things that I launched into was gentrification in Richmond. Um, And just really trying to delve into what does that look like here in Richmond? And really delving into my Generation Justice book bag of uh, skills uh, that really allowed me to not just meet quote-unquote subjects and whatnot, but really trying to build that that sort of human, relatable experience, but still giving that person justice, giving that person um, that allotted time to really tell you this is what it means to live here in Richmond, this is what it means to be a Richmonder. That really parlayed to an experience with uh, Next Gen Radio and uh, being sent all the way out to uh, Minnesota and um, I was really able to put together a really compelling story that was uh, surrounding uh, domestic violence and what's happening in the homes of many. And that was really the anchor of my piece with uh, Next Gen Radio. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2015. That's awesome. Thank you. 
for sharing that much with us. And then continuing down your journey. So when you graduated from your graduate program, um, what were some of the next things that, that came about for you? And, you know, we all know and understand that having a master's degree makes a huge difference. And yet um, the opportunities for journalists starting in any type of outlet is also very challenging, in some ways more so for journalists of color. So I'm really curious about what that next uh, part of your journey was about. Well, honestly, it had to do with discarding pride. Prior to graduating, I actually had an opportunity to work alongside um, Katie Davis and Brendan Sweeney at WAMU, which mm-hmm. is the affiliate at NPR uh, in D.C. That experience working on Anacostia Unmapped, which really was this different form of storytelling. It was really about underscoring a narrative in some of D.C.'s most vulnerable communities, Ward 7 and 8. So just really diving into the many elements that paint this picture, that really paint this uh, mosaic that is uh, D.C. And so that experience was great. But afterwards, the Anacostia Unmapped Project had concluded and the funds that come along with it. And so I just wanted to be in that space, but then, you know, really trying to pay my way in in D.C. and actually live uh, was really something that was quite the challenge. And and so in addition to working with WAMU, I was taking on odd jobs and really my ego took a beating mm-hmm. because you're just you're this young journalist. You just got this master's degree. Oh, I'm working here at this at this big station. And then it's like, boom, the next day you are delivering bread, for instance. So it really was this internal battle, this struggle that was going on. And um, reaching out to my family, um, reaching out to you, reaching out to uh, other mentors in the area who just who kept encouraging me. I really feel like in many instances, people don't have that that support system. And when you don't have that support system, there tends to be a precipitous like decline, not in just like your work, but the way in which you carry yourself, the way you comport yourself on a day-to-day. And again, Generation Justice is that, that anchor and that strong support system. And to go from that and then going into, you know, commercial where your story is being told in 30 seconds, mm-hmm. maybe 45, uh, it really helped me as they say in J school, kill your darlings as far as mm-hmm. these sound bites that you just want to hold on to, but you learn quickly to uh, discard them and and really um, get your product out there. So I really feel like this this experience, I've been feeding both sides of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, the side that's diving into you know the veracity of your information in a timely manner, but always sticking true to public radio in this style of, for, of uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that you have both opportunities. And when you were here as a fellow, um, you were at the end of your education as you started as a fellow, but your peer fellow was still very much in school, Polly Dinetclaw. And so I always used to say to the both of you, you learn how to do journalism the way that 
CNJ here at UNM is teaching you how to do journalism and you learn how to do it geared toward commercial mainstream media. But then Generation Justice is offering you the opportunity to learn how to do journalism from a media justice perspective and going to what you were saying earlier about these aren't your subjects and they aren't your sources. These are the human beings of our community. It's really about building community. Yeah. So I'm glad that you had both experiences, though, because Generation Justice being tied to racial equity, many of us being bicultural uh, beings or um, multicultural beings, we've learned how to, to be successful in a number of different situations. And I think for young journalists and young journalists of color, it's really important to be nimble in that way. Absolutely. And, and one thing that I would like to add is sometimes institutions can be weaponized. And it's as if we feel that if you go to a J school, that this is the end all be all as far as the way in which a story is put together, the arc of a story and whatnot. My greatest teacher actually wasn't in a classroom, right? Some of my greatest teachers have have been you, of course, Roberta, uh, but then also uh, my girlfriend, Candace. Hey, Candace, um, who went to Howard uh, University. Uh, she studied, studied journalism there and learning a great deal from her and then working under um, amazing editors at WAMU mm-hmm. and amazing editors at WTOP. And it's being rich in individuals, being rich in people who have the wherewithal and who are knowledgeable, I feel like that tends to outweigh some of the some of that um, clout that an institution uh, may have. And, and so that's one thing that, that I'll continuously say is Generation Justice is really preparing not the next generation of, of uh, media makers, but media makers of today. Mm-hmm. And so it's one thing that I continuously applaud GJ for and and in all of their endeavors. So bring us to this new opportunity that is right before you. Yeah, so Monday on January the 8th, I will uh, walk into NPR. I'll be an employee. Yay! (laughs) Turn up. Um, And it's it's really something that has come full circle. Um, And so really just having... um, this wealth of mentors has really been uh, immeasurable. Um, so that, again, is, of course, uh, you, Roberta, um, actually Doug Mitchell, mm-hmm. and uh, John O'Golnick, and, and, I mean, even my time at the Richmond Times-Dispatch, working with Michael Paul Williams, uh, who's been writing on um, the, the monuments issue. And so to really just be around individuals who have that much experience have that affinity for news and making sure that uh, a story is being told in a really compelling way really rubbed off on me. And it really has led me to just go about collecting narratives, collecting stories in a, in a way in which um, not only I'll be proud of the work, but all listeners. So I remember um, four years ago, 
and you were already a public radio listener. And so NPR was a dream of yours. And so I know that this journey is just starting for you with NPR. But Jason, tell me a little bit about how you felt when you got the call that you were given this job and you realized that you just had um, manifested a dream. If dogs could speak and do so in a way in which humans could actually comprehend the excitement, I I think my dog Pablo would be the individual to have in front of this uh, microphone because (laughs) um, it felt as if I had maybe five or six different interviews with NPR and uh, each interview I thought I was doing great, but then at the same time it's like, ah, maybe I'm not doing so great because it's so many interviews. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point I was on the phone with Anya Grumman um, who is, I do believe, like the number two overall at NPR. And uh, just being able to relate, being myself, I think um, really being able to articulate why I'm passionate for this position, why I believe NPR uh, does so much more than just tell news. So I say all of that to say once I spoke with Anya, I was like, okay, I think that went great. And then uh, my immediate uh, supervisor, uh, Izzy Smith, he actually Mm -hmm. gave me a phone call and said, Jason, welcome to NPR. And I did like a black, a backflip, sorry, (laughs) a backflip. And I was like, hey, and just started running about my house. And (laughs) Pablo was looking at me like, I don't know what just happened, but my owner is is elated Mm -hmm. and so it it just really felt like a lot of things were aligning this position was a position for me at this time Mm -hmm. it was a position um, that really would allow my skill set to really be on full display and really flourish and so um, I'm really excited I'm overcome with emotion and a lot of the things I've done in my life have been really um, pragmatic mm-hmm. and really systematic as far as trying to accomplish one launching pad or stepping stone to really get to a certain point where you're able to fulfill a goal. Mm-hmm. And I won't say a dream because a dream, mm-hmm. sometimes when people say dreams, it's something that's far-fetched. Mm-hmm. It's something that we feel is out of our reach, unattainable. But I'll definitely say it was a goal that I've had in mind for a very long time to get there and then to work meticulously to try to continue to like set standards and bars for yourself and then try to uh, leap over those. That's something that I, that I'm looking forward to. Well, I want to congratulate you again on achieving this goal. And I hear what you're saying in terms of it being a goal and um, it still is manifesting something that you have held in front of you as a vision for a long time and just so congratulations i'm i'm really happy for you i'm i'm just delighted for this uh part of your journey well thank you roberta but again i have to thank gj um again we we stand on the shoulders of giants and 
whether it's um, your ancestors or whether it's individuals who've just taken time out and invested time into you because more and more today, everyone's busy. So if you can find someone who actually wants to take that time out and invest it into you, you have to pay it forward. And I fully intend to pay it forward. Again, I'm just so happy that you would come and spend time with us in your very short visit to New Mexico. I'm just so happy for your future, Jason. I always have been. Um, when you first started with Generation Justice, you didn't have a lot of journalism or media experience. But what you've always held is a deep love for people and a deep love for community and a deep love for truth. And I have always seen that and known that those are the qualities that are going to take you the furthest and keep you grounded in who you are. I am not surprised at all by all of the good fortune that you've experienced in these past four years. Well, it's definitely been a a surreal experience. And again, I just, I'm indebted to Generation Justice, so... Whenever you all need any time, time is time is nothing. Thank you again. Blessings to you. Thanks, Roberta. One awesome interview. Jason, thank you for sharing your insight and experience with us. It is always important for us to hear positive reinforcements such as don't let your dreams have boundaries. You inspire a whole new group of young journalists here at Generation Justice, including myself, and you are proof that achieving your dreams is very possible. Thank you so much, Jason. Now, we'll have a throwback to the, the song Jason chose to accompany his interview in 2013. Here is Best of Me by Anthony Hamilton. We've come to the end of another great program. We would like to thank our guests, Yanath Antillon and Felipe Rodriguez, and to Samia Assad and Jason Fuller for sharing your work and your stories. For more information on the Women's March, visit the New Mexico Women's March Facebook page. We would also like to thank Kenya Alonzo, Jackie Torres, and Roberta Real for interviewing our guests tonight. Thank you to Kater Yazuni for editing and engineering our program this evening. And thank you to all the youth producers. We cannot do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcast is available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate us. We're also active on social media, so make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Generation Justice is funded by W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from McCune Foundation, Konalma Health Foundation, the Albuquerque Community Foundation, and of course all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate.
We try to select the best music each week. Coming up next is Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill and La Educación es la Nueva Revolución by Calle 13. Followed by Love is Gone by G-Eazy. I'm Maltez Javid. And I'm Jackie Torres. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night and Happy New Year. Keep me away. Love is gone.